Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Ninth State Sports Show Football Edition. Uh, my name is Joe Marcellina. Joining me once again uh, is former high school football coach Mike Lockman. Mike, uh, thanks for again for uh, hanging out. Well, always good to be here. We are once again recording this at Riverside Barbecue in downtown Nashua. Uh, you can send us questions for an upcoming show by emailing nhhighschoolsports at gmail.com or on Twitter at nhhsports. Uh, the show is available every Wednesday morning at nh-highschoolsports.com and also on iTunes. So here we go. We're um, I was trying to think in my head, what are we up to? Like show five maybe uh, already this year? Yeah, we're, we're we did one for each week of the preseason, yeah, and we're yeah. in week two now. So yeah, this might week be week three. Yeah, yeah, going into week three. Yeah, um, you know we're going to be sitting here, November, whatever, and say, "Wow, I can't believe the season's over." It went already. that so fast. Yeah, right. we should we should savor this for a moment here. Yeah. Um, you know, we're we're of course going to take a look back at week two, um, give a little preview of week three. Uh, you know, after that first week. Um, some things happen, some surprises, you know, the, the outcomes maybe we weren't expecting. So I guess I look at this week a little bit, and I'm kind of like, oh, well, yeah, I'm, I'm not so surprised. Yeah, a little bit more. I mean, there was, I think there were some things that happened that were surprising, maybe not as final outcomes. But, uh, you know, one of the things that was surprising as I was following it live, uh, if you want to start here, was Dover's ability to hang with uh, – Pinkerton right for a good half or so of football it's about two and a half quarters yeah 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 I you know um I, I don't remember what the final was on that one but I know that uh it was uh it was 28 all um in the third quarter and then uh, with 749 left in the third quarter and then Pinkerton scored the last 28 points yeah. and made it 56 28 so it I you're yeah you're right I did the same thing you know scrolling through you know Twitter and then nearly dropping my phone when I was like, whoa, yeah. is, that, is this for real? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, not to take anything away from Dover, but Pinkerton has been so uh, so talked up in the offseason, and I think rightfully so, by the way. But then you see, wow, Dover is right there with them. Is this a, is this a great candidate for an upset? And uh, you know, not, not to say I was rooting against Pinkerton by any stretch, but I, you, you, you kind of root for the fun story. Yeah, happen, yeah. You know, like, wow, if Dover can can keep it close or pull it off, that's, that's going to be really exciting for that program. and. I think too because because I, I think year to year Dover's one of those teams that we're just never really sure about what kind of team they're going to be going in. You know, remember back probably five or six years now when they had something like twenty three kids on the varsity roster. Yeah, you know, and um, two years ago, you know, they were right down there to the wire, uh, fighting for a playoff spot. Um, you know, they were competitive last year. Clearly, looks like they're going to be. Uh, maybe a team that, that will battle again for a playoff spot this year. Although, you know, that from what we saw around that cluster, um, man, that's going to be a tough – the teams that get into the playoff and that, that um, southeast cluster are, are really going to earn it. Yeah. Um, of course, also on that side, uh, over the weekend, you had Londonderry beating Salem for the first time, I think since 2014, 28-21. Uh, you know, Wyndham gets his first D1 win by just – pulverizing Spalding. Yeah. Um, was it 50, 51 nothing? Yeah, the final was pretty, I can't remember the exact score, but yeah. it was 50-something, you yeah. know, and, yeah. and you had a, uh, you know, it was funny because I had read just sort of initially that uh, Cody Potter had thrown three touchdown passes, and I was like, wow, you know, 
Wyndham's really airing it out, and and you know they put up fifty some odd points. Boy, they must be they must be throwing the ball. And then I went and I looked at what had happened, and it was Cody Potter, five for five, ninety four <laughs> yards and three, three touchdowns. touchdowns. Like, wow, you know, I mean that's um. It's a, a I pretty mean, good that's touchdown a conversion <laughs> rate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah hundred percent attempts. Yeah, yeah. Um, so great performance by Wyndham, but I think for the most part, Wyndham did what you would actually expect them to do, which is they just yeah. they just ran the heck out of the ball with a bunch of talented players. Yeah, you had Winnicott getting a big win, or, or what, I guess maybe what's left of Winnicott at this point. Yeah. Uh, how many? You said how many starters were out for the, them this week? The the article that I read had said that they were down five to six players, including um, Fuller. Uh, and and uh, the quarterback uh, La Rosa, La Rosa, who yeah. got hurt in the Wyndham game yeah. to open, but then you had a guy like uh, Lou Granger stepping up with stats like 170 yards on seven carries, four touchdowns, and an 80-yard punt return. So he steps up and has on, phenomenal. On, and then the punt return was on a, from what I understand, a, 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 a not an obscure rule, but a rule that that maybe I I know I read it and I thought. I needed to read it twice, I guess, to, to kind of fully understand what what so what what exactly is the the rule? So the ball's live until it's blown dead, essentially. And from from what I I, I saw the play really quick on WMUR, and it looked like what happened was a Portsmouth player came by and kind of touched the ball on his way running past it, and the Portsmouth player kind of went out of bounds. So his momentum carried him. He sort of tapped the ball. What you always tell the kids is, hey. You, you, to down that ball to kill the play, you take that ball, you pick it up, you hand it to the official. Play which, plays over. Plays dead. Yeah. They blow yeah. it dead, right? Uh, that's and that's why you do that because otherwise, that's a. It's just sitting there. It's a live ball. Yeah, it's a live yeah. ball, and it yeah. can be picked up and returned. And that's exactly what. Uh, it's exactly what he had the 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 presence of mind to do. So, you know, so on top of the 170 yards rushing, he gets that return, um, and then you had another back step up, Richard Camaretto added 133 yards rushing i wonder um, if that was i mean the you know could be as the game's going on and players are getting in um you know another guy steps up and has a huge game uh, yeah it's it's hard to say and he he returned a kickoff for 92 yards camaretto so they had a big special teams night big night on the ground the defense held uh portsmouth to 109 yards total so either one of those two backs individually outgained portsmouth as a as a unit so Winnicunit, banged up as they are, appears to be on course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then um, Exeter bounced back from its loss to Salem in Week One with a 35-6 win over Timberlane. That, um, if I read correctly, took less than two hours yes. uh, to, to play. Which yeah. is, I'm I'm planning on heading out to the Exeter Pinkerton game myself on Friday. So uh, let's uh, the way those two play offense sometimes um, could you be the same, the same thing. thing. Yeah. yeah. Which yeah. maybe I'll make plans for Friday night for, for after the game. Yeah, <laughs> it might not be a bad idea. Yeah, you knew Exeter wasn't going to go 0-2 because yeah. they're, they're a quality team. They lost to Salem, Salem in week one. In, yeah. in week one, right. Um, so, and I think, I, I don't remember what the, the line was for Hayes at Timberlane, but I don't think, I don't think he had as good a no. night as you might hope. Now, I think he had a, a tough time against um, Exeter's defense. But, you know, just looking at that, you know, kind of that cluster now, I mean, that you've got, you know, Salem, Dover, Exeter, you know, all kind of in that, that or Wyndham one and one, and then Pinkerton, uh, Londonderry, Winnicott 2 and 0. Oh, you know, it's already starting to kind of take shape there a little bit, you know, because, yeah. of course, you know, this is kind of the point. Like, if you start out 0 oh and 2, in Division One, since they've gone to the 
the format that they're in now in 2013, it's it's really hard to make the playoffs after dropping your first two games. Oh, yeah. I think it's something maybe like three or four times. Uh, and 0-3 is almost impossible. Right. Um, yeah, so big game that big game for Pinkerton, big game for Winnicott. I, I mean, the, un- the other note I had for Pinkerton was Gannon Fast, who's a player we mentioned in the preseason as being one of Pinkerton's go-tos, was, uh, you know, it sounds like a typical Pinkerton running back stat line, 184 yards, 13 carries, four touchdowns. Yikes. Right, good <laughs> night for him. Um, you know, you mentioned had mentioned uh, Timberlane's Dan Hayes. He did. He had a uh, was six of sixteen for 109 yards uh, in that game against Exeter with a touchdown and two interceptions, one of which was returned uh, for a touchdown. Yeah, uh, yeah, tough night. So if if he's having a tough night, your your chances are going to be. Yeah, yeah. And Exeter defense tends to do that to you. It'll, it'll cause a good player to have a tough night. You know, and then on the other side um, with that um, Northwest cluster um you know some teams that we kind of expected to be 2-0 at this point bedford manchester central beaten up on concord and keen respectively uh although the the central game central keen game taking place on uh sunday afternoon after the bizarre and kind of scary incident with the with the lockdown yeah. at central on friday yeah um i was following you know, that on twitter because i was waiting for the central right. action to begin and became something very different obviously yeah yeah um you know, so those teams at two and zero, but then also Merrimack, uh, starting yeah. its season at two and zero, jumping out into first place in its new conference, the West Conference. Yeah. Uh, with um, you know Nashua North, Nashua South, and Keene all right behind there at one and one. Yeah. So that looks like it's going to be about as interesting as we thought it was going to be going in. Yeah, it's tough to gauge Merrimack. Right? I mean, I saw, I saw the Merrimack um, uh, memorial game and it's tough to gauge because i think memorial's still rebuilding with a new head coach totally new system um they beat gosstown week one obviously which you'd, you'd say is a quality win but gosstown's 0-2 now uh, again and they, and and they faced two yeah, good teams yeah, but struggled a little bit in both of those yeah but merrimack has scored 78 points in the last two games which two years ago wouldn't have been surprising they might have done that in one game right yeah, yeah. and i think or they came pretty half, close yeah, to it yeah. against uh, a couple teams that year they've only s- the defense at merrimack has only surrendered six points in two games uh the other six points they gave up was special teams well, okay okay um the thing that's most impressive i think about merrimack this year has been james dowling is 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 good he's mm-hmm. not uh he's justin grassini yeah he's not a yeah, grassini yeah. he's not a um who was the kid that um, uh, Huff had a few years ago at Goffstown? Uh, Connor Casey, Casey Gervais. Con- yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, or, yeah. Or, yeah. I mean, he's not one of those type of guys, but he's good enough to make defenses pay. And Merrimack has really found an awesome balance in their identity on offense where they can mix the ball into kids. Spread teams will usually kind of dink and dunk that through the air, but Merrimack's been really great the last couple weeks at running the ball with a multitude of kids, right? Whether it's a slot right. receiver coming across or whether it's the, the back out of the backfield, um, out of their spread set. They've got some really good weapons, and their line has come along really nice. So Merrimack's dangerous, I think, and that makes Central Merrimack a great right. matchup this yeah. week. Good way to, to lead into that, I guess, yeah. that, that they're, um, of course, Merrimack hosting Central this week. We'll find out a little bit about actually both teams, I think, as they play each other this coming Friday. Yeah. And then the following week, um, they play the Nashua schools. Merrimack goes to south. North comes to central. Um, so I think we'll learn, you know, where yep. where a few more teams are at, you know, um, by week four. Um, 
you know, mid midpoint is usually too where you really start. I mean, we you mentioned, you know, the teams that are zero and two now are going to have a tough time getting it, but I think by week four, midway through, we really have a clear picture of, in Division One, especially of of who's who at least the top teams are going to be going into the postseason. Yeah, yeah, that should be a good game. Um, not, I'm not sure I would be ready to predict that one yet. with the Merrimack Central game. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, um. Yeah, I mean, just because of the competition that both has played too. I mean, right. you know, that that Central with the the win over BG in the first week, and then Keene last week, um, Merrimack over Goffstown and Memorial, like you said. Yeah. Um, you I know, just kind of really tough to read, I think, early on. Yeah, and I get I give a lot of credit to the the win over Keene for Central because you got to figure Ryan Ray and his staff had to do some special things to kind of get that team ready and 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 sort of put the 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 very unusual night they had on friday expecting to play a game by the way on yeah friday yeah behind them and and refocus so that even though you might say well keen's keen's down you know they um i think they beat memorial they did one, yeah they beat memorial it was a bit of a struggle first first win i think a snapped an 11 game losing yeah. streak or something something along those lines but I'm I'm uh, you know so I'm am a little bit more impressed than I would have otherwise been with Central's win against Keene just yeah. because of the circumstances. Not that you wouldn't have expected them to do it. Yeah. But, but yeah. I think it's it's to do so convincingly is a nice thing. Yeah. Um, as we mentioned, both both Nashua public schools getting on uh, getting a win last week. South beating up on uh, on BG. Yeah. Um, was at actually was at both North and South's games this past weekend. And that um, a game against BG, I mean, South just dominated defensively. Um, you know, anyone that wants to read about it, nh-highschoolsports.com, put a little story together about what exactly South's run defense did to Bishop Girton. Um, you know, I think over the last six possessions of the game, BG ran like 12 times for minus one yard. Yeah. Uh, you know, so just, just a really, really dominating performance. Um, and then you know North got the huge game from from Curtis Harris. Yeah, um, yeah, we were at that game. Yeah, 194 yards. I had him for and, and three touchdowns. Almost had a fourth, um, you know, later in the game, but was uh, pushed out, ruled out at the one yard line. Uh, Mike Lovelace, who had two touchdowns rushing, um, ended up taking his touchdown on the next uh, the yeah. next play. Um, and that one just kind of snowballed on Goffstown. I mean, it was a close game in the third quarter, and then they had, I think, their possessions went interception, interception, bad snap on a punt led to turning the ball over at, at, at like, their 30 or somewhere in there, and then another bad snap on another punt yeah. that led to another, you know, turnover on downs that gave, you know, North had short field after short field in that second half yeah and i as a as a former coach i felt really bad for charlie keith in that game too because you could tell you know i think he threw four interceptions which is extremely yeah, yeah. uncharacteristic for any justin huffed coach team right uh, and certainly any of the quarterbacks that he's produced over the years but you could tell keith was just trying to make something happen right they, they felt the game slipping away and i think keith did some things that were uncharacteristic with the ball um that that you know, I'm sure he'd love to have those back, um, but that's what happens when you have a young, talented, and a competitive kid trying to make plays. They're sometimes they'll make mistakes, and you got to hope that they're going to recover. And I think Gosstown still has a chance to to make a little run. They've got enough talent. Yeah. Uh, of course, an uphill hill, hill climb from this point on uh, for yeah. them. Yeah, with the 0 and 2 <laughs> element that you mentioned. Um, 
you know, looking at Division Two this week, um, you know, we talked last week about how pretty much every game in the division was um, close and entertaining. Not quite as much this week, but, man, I think what we learned this week, uh, even more so, was that the separation amongst maybe the teams we looked at as favorites and the teams that might be contenders isn't that great. No. Um, you know, you got Plymouth beating John Stark 27-13, although that was, I believe, 27-7 late. Yeah. And, and, and Stark got a late touchdown. Yeah. Um, you know, Hanover needs uh, a, a second-half drive to beat Hollis Brookline 20 to 14. Yeah. Um, after I think Hollis had a what 98 yard touchdown drive in that game. Yeah. So I, I made some notes on that from what I was able to gather. I mean, that sounded like a really good game. Yeah, yeah. So if you're to believe the, the, the stats that I read, it sounded like Hanover just dominated the first half and to the point where Hollis only had two and a half minutes of possession that's for the entire <laughs> half. That's just, uh, yeah, which is crazy. Like, I'm, I'm yeah. almost thinking like you could get two and a half minutes just, Running back and forth, yeah. you know, like. Well, so there's some teams that a three and out will take up two and a half minutes. Right, exactly, right. Milford. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> Milford runs a play every two and yeah. a half minutes. <laughs> they figure out how to do that, right? But so you had that, but then the, then the, the turning point in the game was, so Hollis makes a goal line stand, uh, I think, first drive of the second half. Um, you know, on the two-yard line, they turn Hanover away. Then they go 98 yards for a score. Which I think at that point made it fourteen seven. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, and and so right there, you go from having the ball for two minutes and two and a half minutes in the whole first half to driving ninety eight yards methodically down the field, right? So, whatever Coach Loans did going in at halftime, you know, whether it was uh, motivational or whether it was uh, schematics, they came something, out. They, something worked. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to to have a drive of that length in high school, especially. Uh, with the style of offense that HB plays, right? I mean, they're not just yeah, going to line yeah. up and pound the ball down the field. I mean, to, to go on a drive of that length and not make any mistakes is, yeah. is huge. Yeah, because usually if, if you're having a drive, it's usually one play or three plays or four plays. Like, it's not a long, no, sustained usually drive. Not, usually yeah. not. I mean, sometimes they do if yeah. they're, they're going to screen it and dink and dunk it and right. stuff. But a lot of times there's it's big plays. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, I mean, yeah, the only other note I would make on that game was, you know, we, we haven't talked, we've talked about Hanover, but, you know, you had um, Simon Roach, 134 yards in, in that game, and that gives him 345 on the season, wow. which is a pretty. In, in two games. Yeah, That's pretty impressive stat. Yeah. Um, and then I had Wimmer at 15 of 26 for 174 and 83 yards rushing, including like That's a 50 like something yeah. yard scamper. Yeah. So yeah, that made it, I think that tied the game. Uh, 14 all. Yeah. So Wimmer continues to to make a case for his, uh, you know, his position as as one of the top quarterbacks in the in the league. Oh, definitely. Um, you know, so Hanover, what that puts them at two and zero. Yeah. Um, Plymouth at two and zero. Yeah. Um, Stark and Hollis both at one and one. The other big game, um, that St. Thomas and Alvern. St. Thomas again, getting out to a lead and then holding off. Uh, a second half comeback like they did week one against Sauhegan week two they do it against Alvern yeah um, you know it, it both times going on the road too, coming out from the seacoast and playing those games on the road they don't they have to play their first home game this coming Saturday or yeah. excuse me yeah I believe this coming Saturday yeah um, who do they have do you remember I'm off we the top of my head up. yeah I'll, I'll look it up but just you know two I think great performances and and you know that that tells me you know, we were impressed last week with Alvern's win over Pelham. Yep. Um, you know, and, and and I think that kind of shows a little bit this week, too, with, with Pelham scoring 32 points 
against Sanborn, Alvern holding them to six. Yeah. Um, you know, you know the the way that they I- they played against um, St. Thomas. You know that I think that's a team that's going to be right there, and they've got a big game this week playing at Sauhegan. Yeah, yeah. If you're Sauhegan, you've got to be thinking about that. I mean, so I, I mean, the only note I made, uh, the only one that really mattered was for for St. Thomas versus Alvern was Sean DeCorn, 308 yards and four touchdowns. So coming right on the heels of the Wimmer discussion, there's DeCorn uh, doing what he did. In the first week, uh, maybe not quite as good against Sauhegan, but he was certainly the, yeah. the the deciding factor there. And and you mentioned, you know, starting to compare the 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 quality of the the Pelham win for Alvern. Man, I looked at that Pelham versus Sanborn story, and Ian Huey. I, I'm not sure if Hoey Huey. I, I I apologize if I'm not pronouncing that right. So so Pelham's a team that has traditionally been a really good running team even in years where they haven't been great record wise they can run the ball and you have to respect the heck out of that but 15 of 22 214 and four touchdown passes wow. he's throwing to uh nick milano who's six one one eighty, colby travis who's a junior i think who's six foot three and, th- and then on top of all that they had a back um brett Lindsay, yeah. who rushed for 133 on 25 so it ain't like they're airing it out I mean that's beautiful pretty, balance, pretty balanced, yeah, right, yeah. You know? um, and then, but the most important stat out of that game, which makes me, you know, really kind of think about Pelham, is they're picking up right where they left off in terms of defense. They held Sanborn to under thirty total yards rushing for that game, and Sanborn, almost like what I said about Pelham earlier, good year, bad year. Sanborn can, can run, run the ball, yeah, run it. I mean, they've hung their hat on being very good and physical at running the ball. And, uh, you know, they held the defense held them to under uh, held Sanborn to under 130 total yards, 60 of which, by the way, came on one touchdown pass against the reserves. That's a heck of a defense. So that's that's, um, you know, you look at you mentioned them picking up where they left off defensively, but points wise, too. Of course, they're not they're not shutouts, but they gave up 14 week one to Halvern, 13, although it sounds like maybe seven, you know, against the starters. Yeah. um, Last week against Sanborn, Uh, they have quite a, a, a. doozy of a game this week too um with milford coming to town for a friday night game yeah um initially i think we'd had that on the schedule as a saturday game uh and as i look at the nhia website though i think maybe the reason for that was because on pelham's side it's listed as 914 and on milford's schedule it's listed as 915 uh-huh. so that is a a friday night seven o'clock kickoff yeah uh, milford at pelham and milford getting its first win by uh getting out to a big lead against west and and, and able to um, you know, hold on. West get a couple of late scores, first half and second half in that game. Yeah. Um, but that's and then, I mean, looking at looking at Milford's schedule after that. I mean, they go to Pelham Friday. Tough. Then game. they play St. Thomas at home the next week. Then they're at Sauhegan the following week. Yep. Not, not that that's a big road trip for them. Yeah. But um, rivalry. But game. still, yeah, yep. yeah, big game. And then the following week they host Kennett. Who they probably I don't think they've played in in years. maybe ten years. Yeah, it's been a while since it, the old it, yeah, setup, probably. Yeah, probably the very old setup. The vi- going back to when Kennett was in Division Three. Yeah, um, which I think that was probably two thousand six. Yeah, that is interesting. I mean, it sounded like Milford was able to hold off uh, a potential onslaught from uh, from Mayu of West, who had a, ended up having a pretty good game, but just it wasn't enough. And then you know we were talking about DeCorn, and we were talking about um, uh, uh, Wimmer. You know, I think you got to start talking about Erda 
as one of the as one of the better quarterbacks right, too. Gavinerta, because yeah. totally yeah. different style of player, right? He's not going to be back there in the gun and and slinging it around. But what he does for that offense, uh, I mean, I had Erda was another two rushing touchdowns. He runs that triple option, uh, which is a very difficult thing to do, by the way. I, I think it's interesting to, to talk about him as one of the potential top quarterbacks, even though he gets it done a different way. But he's really, if you read, you know, about, and you, and you watch what's happened with Milford over the last two weeks, win or lose, he's the driving force behind that O. Um, so, you know, hopefully they can continue to come along because that is a tough stretch for them. Um, because even Kennett, what did you say Kennett is now? Uh, they're one and one, but they played a they played Hanover very close in week one, yeah. and then blew out Pembroke last week. Right. Um, you know, so that's yeah. They, so they lost to Hanover. Lost to Hanover, but had a lead in that game, I yeah. think, in the second half. And Hanover just beat Hollis. Beat up on Ho- or Hollis. Yeah, beat Hollis. Beat Milford. Milford. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hate playing that's that it. game, but you well, know what I mean. You know, we, we're talking about how I mean, it seems like the South is playing out in a way we thought it was that it's it's very close amongst a, a handful of teams the north may be playing out in a different way where the top teams are very close to each other but the top and the bottom yeah, there's, there's some, some separation. separation um you know interesting in this looking at the standings though because like we said hanover and plymouth are both 2-0 uh as is uh guilford belmont at 2-0 yeah with one point win over pembroke and then a, a two touchdown win over merrimack valley yeah um it gets a lot harder for them in the next two weeks as they play Plymouth and Bo uh, over the next two weeks. Yeah. Both games at home. Um, you never know. But but, but, but you got to think about that, right? If you're Guilford Belmont and you're looking at that schedule, you you know what what you would say realistically. I mean, obviously you want to win every game, but realistically you'd be looking at it and saying, man, if we can come out of those first four games two and two. Right. So they've got right, their two yeah, wins. They're yeah. already ahead of it on that, you know, or even with it on that. Um, yeah, and then after that, they play at Kingswood. They yeah. host Hanover, and then they're at Kennett, finish at Sanborn, and then play in John Stark. I mean, they they probably have to pull off an upset in there. Yeah. Um, but you know, good. I mean, good for them. It's the, a good the, start. It's, yeah, it's a yeah, it is it's a good start. They, they've got some tough sledding ahead of them, but that's that's a nice start to the season that you can sort of build some momentum off of. Uh, the 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 big game up in the north that um, I kind of had circled this week was Bo at John Stark. Yeah. Which, um, you know, those teams have played uh, three times, I think, in the last two years since Bo moved up to D2. Yeah, with, um, with usually big results, big, too. Yeah, right? yeah, Sh- just season huge games. Results, whether it was playoffs or whether it was, well, are you, you going to make the playoffs? Yeah, you look at two years ago, and, and John Stark was 8-2 and two making their first playoff playoff berth, and their only two losses that year were to Bo. Right. Um, they, ble- they, they beat, uh, excuse me, uh, Plymouth and Hanover in that season, and then ended up losing the quarterfinals to Bo. Right. And then last year, they returned the favor, almost at the time looked like it was going to knock, beat Bo in week, the last second to last week of the season. And at the time, it looked like they that knocked Bo out of the playoffs. Right. But, but not you know, not, not quite. Yep. Um, you know, the rest they of just, couldn't, just couldn't put them away. You know, yep. that they, they probably, you know, the rest of the division was probably looking at that, hoping that they were. But, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so that's probably the big big game uh, of the week, along with Milford Pelham yeah. uh, in Division Two. How about um, you know? Let's take a look at Division Three real quick. Um, you know, the the teams at the top, you know, continue to be yeah. what we expected them to be. Um, Good you know, God, Manadnock! Can, can we talk about oh Manadnock yeah, yeah. for a second? So Manadnock, the Manadnock defense through two games, 
I, so I read uh, the local article that you had linked on on uh, on your site. Negative twelve rushing yards allowed through two games. <laughs> Zero points, and the defense has scored six points. So the defense over two games has outscored and outgained <laughs> any of the Monadnock opponents. Chandler Matson, you know, opened the game with a 60 first play from scrimmage, 64 yard run down the right sideline out of the wishbone. Boom. Uh, the, the, the Huskies had ran three offensive plays and led 16 to nothing. Wow. Uh, you know, we're gonna have to create a separate division oh, just no, for Manadnock no, and Campbell. Let's not they go just there. Play each other every week. We can't go there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, you know, you, you mentioned Campbell. They, of course, um, you know, beat Epping Newmarket yeah. in a game that the score was probably looked closer than it than it actually was. Yeah. Um, you know, you've got Stevens that's also at two and zero in that division, and then maybe to the surprise of some, Trinity. Yeah, it's back in you know playing varsity football after a year off last year. Yeah, uh, back-to-back wins to open the season. Um, of course, last week getting a win over Lebanon. Yep. The week before a huge win over Kearsarge. Yeah, um, which looked like it was about on its way to a, a pretty key victory this week. Um, I saw at one point they had a, I want to say it was like an 18-16 lead on Laconia in in the fourth quarter. I want to say, and I I looked at it and I went, man, what is up with Laconia? Yeah. Um, and they scored two touchdowns quick at the end to, to, to win that game. Yeah, I don't know what how I know S- Jacob Steele is Jacob his first name Jacob had Steele, like two hundred and twenty yeah. yards rushing, but I also heard that he came out of the game late. So mm. I wonder if that you know sometimes that emotion thing you lose a key player at some point in the game and it just it it can hurt you, a, a young team emotionally. Um, and then and then uh, Trinity you mentioned right we we're surprised by Trinity every week we got to stop that right <laughs> we, I was su- I was actually surprised. The Trinity West uh, um, Gill Stadium Jamboree, Jamboree yeah. thing and said, oh, well, that, you know, because I had c- come in late and kind of had to poke around to see what had happened. And then they're off to a great start. I know that they've uh, they've done a good job building their roster up. So so good for them. I mean, I, you know, to come back from not having a varsity program, start out the way they've started out is pretty impressive. Uh, Laconia scored, actually, to g- going back to that win over Kearsarge, uh, they were down 18-14. Scored with 3:38 left to go up 21-18, and then scored again after that. Yeah. So yeah, great, great finish by them. Um, no mention here about about what happened to um, to Steele, but I do feel like I saw that somewhere. Yeah, I thought I saw it as a tweet or something. I, d- I don't recall. You know, I try to follow all that stuff if I'm not there. And but uh, but you know the other interesting one. So you had speaking of Laconia, you had Hillsborough Daring Hopkinton who upset them week one 15-14. I was kind of thinking Interlakes Moultonboro would give them a, a 2-0 start and, and put them in kind of good position in Divi- Division Three. I mean, sure, they still had Campbell and Manadnock right. and some of these yep. people, but, but a 2-0 start in that division is pretty nice. But, yeah, it, it didn't work out quite as well. It sounded like they struggled a little bit. Uh, Colby Quiet had a, had a big night, but he was held to only 73 yards rushing. Uh, as opposed to he had the week before he went off, yeah. 30 yeah. or something the week before against yeah. a, a Laconia defense. Um, but you know they they tur- they turned the ball over three times. They had double digits and penalties, according to the article that I read. And I, I think that's that's still one of those hangovers of being a newer program. Um, Maybe the the win gives you a little bit too much confidence, and could have been. It's you, hard. You yeah. Look, not to say that you're looking past. I mean, y- you mentioned it. Interlakes Moultonboro got beat forty-four to nothing the week before. Right. 
You know, you just beat you just beat Laconia. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So if so you're if you're a, 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 an inexperienced program in terms of the kids, right? No matter what the coaches are saying, because you know the coaches were saying, "Hey, don't have a letdown. We can't have a, a post victory hangover here." They, there might have been some of that. I'd, I'd like to think so because it, it's it's too bad because it kind of erases. Um, the prestige of that first win a little bit for them. So you know, I I wonder, um, you know, if this this Division Three this year is going to look a little bit like Division Three in lacrosse did this past spring, where you had your teams like Hopkinton, uh, Laconia, uh, Pelham, who were a cut above. Like it was going to take a monumental effort to beat one of those teams. No one actually, no one did outside of the ones in that group. Right. Um, but then there were some interesting things that happened in the rest of the division below that. So I wonder if this might set up a little bit like that, where, of course, you've got Monadnock and you've got Campbell that are, you know, ne- they're not both going undefeated this year because they have to play yeah. in the regular season. But, you know, maybe they're just a cut ahead every- of everybody else, and then everyone else kind of just yeah, they fight beats up on each other. Spots, yeah, right. yeah. So that could make yeah, for so some you have that, and then the, the, the competitive nature of it is 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 below there. Yeah, and every everyone in Stevens and Trinity and all that, they're they're, you know, cursing us out right now and, and saying <laughs> darn those guys. Yeah, probably um, it wouldn't be the last time. And uh, you know, let's I guess we can wrap up with um, Division Four playing its first games of the year this week. Yeah. Um, you know, you had a couple of games that looked like they were competitive. Uh, Raymond beating Fall Mountain 2012, um, and then Franklin Franklin beating Muscoma 27-6. But yeah. you know, you have Winnesquam beating up on Farmington Newt 39-7. Yeah. Um, and then kind of the you know the the blowout in the division there. Newfound 61, Bishop Brady 13. Yeah. Um, you know, hope hopefully that's not a trend for the division for the rest of the year because no, um, this was what was supposed to be avoided um, exactly you know by making this division yeah yeah i mean you know i i look at the raymond fall mountain score that's a bit of a that's a bit of a i mean not to i'm not saying anything about raymond by the way congratulations for them but you know like i kind of predicted maybe fall mountain would have a year this year with all the kids they had back and and not to say they won't because like you said maybe you know maybe there's maybe there's more interesting football to be played there but i kind of bummed with that i was like oh you know this will be a good year for for fall mountain and they come out to start zero and one i'm sure is disappointing for them but and they um they have winnesquam this coming week who you know had a had that big game as we said against farmington newt so yeah looking potentially oh and two in the face uh you know unless it, things turn around real quick there yeah yeah it's tough to start off with all that promise and then you know what you hope is that it was a tight enough game where maybe they made a couple of mistakes against Raymond, and you could say, okay, hey, we can clean that stuff up. We yeah. can still have a great yeah. year here. Uh, I don't know. Any other uh, final thoughts for the week? Um, you got the, the big one in your old backyard, the Central Merrimack game. Yeah. Um, plenty of plans. Are you going to head out to that, or are you going to – We're going – yeah, I'm yeah. taking my, – my whole family is going to that one. We're going to go – we're going to go see a game. So nice. very I haven't nice. done that with the family yet this year, so yeah. – uh, of course, uh, we'll have that game covered at uh, nh-highschoolsports.com. You'll be able to read about it uh, Saturday uh, some point in the morning. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I guess uh, whenever I, I get my lazy butt up and, and actually start posting stories to the website. It's like I said last week. You run the site. You can yeah, do whatever I, you yeah, want. I can do whatever I want. Yeah. <laughs> you can change your picks. You can do whatever you want. <laughs> uh, I will be at um, Exeter and Pinkerton. That's um, a big one. And we will also have coverage of the Alvern Sauhegan game. Uh, hopefully getting a few more in there, but nothing... Nothing set in stone yet, but those three games for sure. 
Yeah. So the Albert Sauhegan game is a big Division yeah. Two South game. Yep. We didn't talk about Sauhegan tonight, but uh, that's a big one. Kind of a strange score with them, what, thirteen nothing over Conval. Thirteen nothing. But the the really weird one about that was I saw the helmet sticker on Roger Brown's site. Uh, Sauhegan defense. Uh, it was like seven sacks held Conval to a total of eighty yards and generated five turnovers. But with the five extra possessions, still only scored 13 points. So that's kind of that's very interesting stat line, right, for a defense yeah. to have that kind oh of performance. Yeah. And and so it makes you wonder, is Conval's defense that good? Because Conval uh, pitched a shutout last week, I think. Anyway, I don't you know, want to get down yeah. into it too much. Yeah. But I thought that was interesting, like still trying to figure out what kind of team Sauhegan is. And I think we're going to learn this weekend when you look at Alvern. Uh, it's Alvern, right, coming in there right, to play, yep, right? Yep. I mean, you know, because I've said Alvern's pretty impressive, I think, and, and I'm sure that uh, I'm sure they've seen that on film at this point. Well, all of that, we'll be back here uh, a week from today to, to talk about. Yep. Uh, Mike, thanks again for joining me. Absolutely. Uh, looking forward to another fun weekend of uh, football. Uh, he is Mike Lockman. I am Joe Marcellina. Thanks again for listening.